And with that rings in another, means. it's another damn listening party with Adam and Mike. I am Mike. I was nearly about to say oh, I'm Adam because I was going alphabetically, but that is an absolute lie. He is Adam. I for your sense of self. Yeah, it provides me with order in a chaotic world. <laughs> Some kind of hierarchy. Sorry. Who am I again? Uh, L uh, M Michael. <laughs> Doesn't make sense I should be the uh, runner-up in this equation, so I'll go Adam. I am Adam. Um, I'm speaking today with my friend Mike. We are men of no consequence and seemingly men who grasp on reality and the conventions of naming seems ever more curious. Join us once more as we chat about another album which we either like, loathe, or have not met yet. And this time... It has been Adam's pick, and he has brought to us, it's yet another album from the 70s, Adam. Please tell us what you've brought. Well, of course it's another album from the 70s, Michael, because I'm increasingly of the opinion that there are two golden years in music. One of them is 1980, and the other is the year from whence this album hails. It's 1974. It's, I really like, um, I really like the band, and obviously there is a popular motion picture being released about them as we speak. The Band of Sparks, and I thought we would do their commercial, probably high point. Mm. And um, that's Kimono My House. I was playing them when my mum and dad came to visit the other day. And, well, I was actually playing one of their other records, but my mum summing up, what I think is probably a number of people's opinion of them is Sparks. I thought they just had the two songs. We've been unable to work out what the second of the two songs is, but I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. that at least one of them is this town. I guess it's right. the number one song in heaven, which is they did in 78, I think, with or 79 yeah. with Giorgio Moroder. But um, yeah, I think Kimono My House is a belter of an album. When I first heard it, it was in the gap between the first and second years at uni and it was one of those do you know what I mean when I say it was one of those albums where I thought the music that I heard in my head that I always imagined a band that I was in had I any form of musical talent at all would probably sound a bit like this although with me singing it would feature vocals that quite a lot lower in the register than Russell Mayle accomplishes it's just I had the same sort of thing when I heard Unknown Pleasures. It was just hmm. that that's what that's what my band would sound a bit like. It'd probably be a combination of those two things. But which <laughs> it, it would probably be unlistenable. But I think it's such a such a special album. And there is a, well, I'm gonna use the word too often when we're talking about it. And the that word is delirium. Particularly something like oh, that's a good word. Amateur hour is just so deliriously exciting, and there's such pomp about it. One of the things that I had, one of the problems I had with Bruce Springsteen is that sort of 
faux sincerity. You know, the the dirty denim that has been artfully dirtied by a, di- a denim dirtier. Oh, and damn, damn, he denim dirtier. Whereas oh I've got a big soft spot for music that knows that it is entertainment, that knows it's showbiz. Yeah, it's preposterous. And yeah, but it's... it's it, And, like, the lyrics are funny, but it's There's not... There's nothing sincere here. But it's not comedy. No. And while it's not, while they're not being sincere, it doesn't bother me because they're not ever claiming to be. Hmm. They're never saying, you know, John is on the bad streets. They're <sighs> singing a song about how Albert Einstein will still have time for lots of girls. It's... Let me tell you why, why this town ain't big enough for the both of us. See, the factory closed down and now we just don't have enough money to go around and... And the factory, the, the, this town isn't too, is, is, ain't big enough for the both of us because it's just two men in a small town that favour the attentions of the same young lady. You can't imagine Bruce Springsteen going, flying, <laughs> no. flying. No. Uh, and there's just, some, can we just, sorry, sorry, I just wanted to circle back to so what you said right at the top. What other albums from 74 uh, would you include in, to make it the best year of our lives? Um, well, it's a good year for Bowie, isn't it? And it's a it's good year a for good Rusty. Year. I mean, it's, it's sort of like Glam was sort of at its zenith, I think. Mm. And I think there's, 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 there's much riches to be enjoyed in that sort of period. In British music, I I'm, couldn't necessarily speak to... Well, the Egyptians. When we're talking about pop music, we chiefly mean the UK and America. Although I'm aware that there are worlds outside of those two spheres. but There are a few I, other countries. There are many other countries and they have their own music, but I am woefully unprepared about those. <laughs> I think no, this album is, is... Oh, that that would be a good round to do. We should spin, literally spin... I mean, we we literally spin a wheel anyway, everyone. But we should yeah, spin yeah, a it's globe. Yeah, a real wheel. We should, yeah, we both have one in each of our... We have one at the party, but yeah. we should have a globe and literally spin it and go right. It, um, Prague. Right, we, had, we right need to find an artist from Prague. Um, it's not a bad idea. Uh, it does seem like it would make quite a lot of demands on my time. Um, having to go, okay, Iceland. Uh, other than Björk, well, you just would you your Wikipedia and see the number one big hitter is, and then oh yeah, but if you're just going to listen, oh, fine. If that's what you're envisioning, I thought I assumed you meant we were going to do it fucking properly and spend a, just whole hours doing a deep dive into the popular culture <laughs> of rep- no, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about doing Greg Wallace's big weekends away or something. We're not going to get on a plane and go right, everyone, field report. From Iceland. <laughs> Do you mean to tell me you've had a thriving pop culture in, within this town and I've never heard of it? Remarkable. No, no, I just meant we, we might Google it and see who the you know biggest sellers are and maybe, maybe just to broaden the horizons. But, you know, it could be like a now and then feature we could do. Yeah, just spit, bo- just spit so balling on air. So determined to get me out of my comfort zone. If a man spends as long as I have done crafting a comfort zone why do people like you insist on shattering it it's comfortable (laughs) i've listened to a lot of sparks in fairness and um that in and of itself is quite broad 
but still relatively in the same wheelhouse. Well, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is terribly whimsical. Oh, I wouldn't say it was whimsical at all, but I would say it I was think, art. I, I think some of it is verging or whimsical. Yeah, it's 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 a mix of arch and whimsy. It's Lord Peter whimsy. I think it's. Um, I think one of the things that I was fascinated by, or I remain fascinated by, about them is Sparks is, despite this album, which is a band. Sparks is two men, a pair yeah. of brothers, obviously, and I think everybody knows this. Russell and Ron. Russell and Ron. Ron being the male. Yeah. Ron being the the songwriter and sort of, I would say, the driving force behind them. Like mm -hmm. I think a lot of the cover concepts are his and so on. I believe so. It must be. I mean, it must be fairly great being Russell Mayo, but you would, I think, sure. Like more of the plaudits are going to Ron. What are you bringing? As Russell Mayo, what does I'm sure he will be a vital cog in the creative wheel. But then when you look at the the credits on the records, it does say a lot of the time words and music. Ron Mayo, Ron did this. Russell, yeah. When is Russell's piece of the pie quite a lot smaller than Ron's? Does Ron live in a know, huge house and Russell lives in a small one? Well, you'd assume that given the fact that they're still making music together, what in their fifth decade? Is it sixth decade? Um, well, certainly uh, in the book I'm reading, um, which is Talent is an Asset, The Story of Sparks, is by Daryl uh -huh. Is they've, well, they've, they've gone from record company to record company to manager to manager, and they are the only constants. With that, my, my point is going to be, you think after that six decades of working together, if it had been an issue, that would have reared its head by now. So they obviously have a comfortable relationship yeah. and agreement I mean, they, in terms of that side they of start in the late 60s and i think they released an album what last year year before yeah a steady so. drip drip and then this year along along with at the time we're recording this uh you've got the new sparks brothers documentary of edgar wright coming out they've also just uh won awards at Cannes film festival for writing the music to leo carrack's new film annette oh yes i am glad that they're finally getting a, a little bit of what's theirs because this will be their I think this will be like their fourth career renaissance now yeah I think so I mean so, it's, it's worth I'm just gonna say it's probably worth at this point pointing out that the, the brothers who both strike well striking images uh Ron's the one that you probably recognize with the slick back hair the often described Hitler moustache except and, he's had a pencil moustache now for, for years now the, yeah the pencil moustache, which he described as Chapin-esque and everybody else described as Hitler, was several years ago. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, Russell back in his prime was more of a striking beauty and almost, you know, mo model-esque good looks. Yeah, no, he was he was a fine looking man. And it, the more sort of, particularly for the 70s, the more conventional pop star of the two, mm. the, the beautiful long haired scamp capering about i think at this point it's probably the and the opportune moment to make our standard caveat which is if you are looking for a full-blown documentary this is not it <laughs> this this will be an amiable knockabout chat about one record which might bring in a couple of others but realistically 
we're only really talking about this record, which is, I would say, probably the, it's the first instalment of a trilogy of albums, which, which aren't a trilogy, but um, <sighs> that had a, a very, a reasonably stable band and uh, a distinct sound. And the last of which was um, produced by Tony Visconti. Ah, dear, dear Tony. Yeah, he and um, unfortunately he presides over Indiscreet, which is the one I would say that is generally um, recognised to be the one where the goose became overcooked. Ah, right. Kimono was... My House has a sort of purity to it that Indiscreet lacks. Right. I, I just want to say up front for my own disclaimer that I've listened to Kimono My House a lot of times over the years. But overall, my Sparks knowledge and discography is patchy. I've lit, I have just picked albums completely at random over the years to pick, listen to like Little Beethoven, Hippopotamus, FFS, um, introducing. I really, really like Hippopotamus. I've been listening to it a lot this week. I remember I didn't mind it, but I've not gone back to it since it came out. I haven't listened ago. to Little Beethoven, but they certainly, this book seems to suggest that it's their best ever. That's the one I found a bit whimsy. Um, yeah, I mean, I know a couple of the songs from it. Isn't the Rhythm Thief on that one? Rhythm Thief, and yeah, yeah it's 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 a lot got of very much. A, it's got yes, it has a sound to it. That album. How do I get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, lad, practice. That's the song for about five minutes. Whereas I really, really like um, Edith Piaf said it better on yes. Hippopotamus. I remember that one. regret to be young. <laughs> Pretty song, but not intended for me. <laughs> great. It's great. And Giddy, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, so Sparks are a band that I, for this album alone, I'm a big fan of, but I absolutely need to uh, just bone up on my own knowledge of the overall album. I'll say this, though. the, I mean, obviously, there will be lots of people on the internet that disagree, but... I am of the opinion that some of their albums are a bit shit. And that's allowed. <laughs> they are entitled to the odd duffer. They've got, it's got to be approaching 30 now. It was, oh, yeah, 20, they, they, it was 21 albums years ago when they did that. Um, we're going to play every album we've ever made. Yeah, and that was like 2006. You summit like that, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember it well being shown on Newsnight Review. It's, it's one hell of a thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, it's, it's a remarkable thing. It's quite an impressive feat just to even remember songs you wrote years ago that you probably only were performing once or twice and realised actually that's a probably a bit shit that one. Yeah, or probably, this one's actually probably retire that live. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you've only got one more set studio one. You. Yeah, and you'll you'll help every band has got mainstays. Like if they went on stage and didn't do this town, I imagine there'd be a problem. Context. Well, they've. It's their. Is it their? I think it's their third album, isn't it? There's Half Nelson, and then the band is renamed. Yes. So you can get if you got Half Nelson, and it's still got the, the like the band name as Half Nelson on it, rather than the reissues where they're Sparks. That's probably that's probably worth a pretty penny. Then yeah. they do a Woofer in Tweeters clothing, which is utter batshit. <laughs> I've not listened to that one. Oh, it's, it's really good. I think they that's the one where they do a cover of um, Do Re Mi. All oh, right. Which is, um, yeah, uh, excitable. It's 
then they sort of they get this core band and Ooh. they rehearse and they they and they're finally on our island so they have some money behind them as well for the first time although not loads because island was sort of in its infancy wasn't it um in 1974 and in the short runtime of this podcast we've done quite a lot of island albums now well, they they were an absolute cracking record label. <laughs> they for, were for a spell, for a few yeah. years, yeah. Um, so they go into the studio and they record what becomes a sort of zeitgeist capturing record on this side of the pond, because of course they are two Californians who yep. told an awful lot of lies about themselves to journalists, like they were the ex models and the sons of Doris Day and so on, mm-hmm. and it is. Probably the case that in a UK that is, I would say, historically has been more receptive to the eccentric pop star than the US. Mm. Obviously, there are exceptions, but there's, there's, there's definitely always been a market for the odd over here yeah. as opposed to there, certainly in the mainstream. Um, they travel over here and become, for a really, really small space of time, absolutely fucking huge and then that does not last and it dies they wither on the vine and then they bounce around all over the world they're for a bit they'd get big in germany so they go there they're big in france for a while there's always a sort of hardcore of fans in the uk that not sustain them but because i don't think they've ever sold huge records huge numbers of records they sold one album quite a lot and it was this one Mm. and they are, I think, you know, if you could eat critical acclaim, they'd probably be fabulously wealthy. But they just don't they just don't sell records like they possibly deserve to. But it's incredible. I mean, they've been making music now for fi- over 50 years. That's nuts. And the, what's really great about them is the fact that they, even though their albums are diverse and odd, and all different they always sound like them and that that's definitely helped by witty lyrics there's often quite a dominant piano sound obviously enough because ron is a pianist Mm. and then of course you've got russell's vocals which are even when he's not in falsetto fairly unmistakable but kimono my house represents their sort of just a, a flashpoint in their lives where for a minute they were pop stars like there's footage of them performing amateur hour and just being absolutely mobbed. Well, Russell gets mobbed. Ron <laughs> broadly left alone. <laughs> it's a remarkable thing. They're um they're a cult band. They're you, they're a cult mm. band's cult band, and yet yeah. I think pretty much everybody of a certain age will know the opening that the big shotgun noise. Mm-hmm. Remarkable. Yeah, I did. I like the fact when I was reading up on them, but they, they detested folk music that was pre- prevalent in LA at the time when they were growing yeah. up. Uh, yeah, and they preferred the Who, Pink Floyd, The Kinks, The Move. So yeah, they they did the old pilgrimage like the Walker Brothers before them over to the UK. Although I would say they're all parallels with the Walker Brothers probably end, probably die there. Yeah, and I like the fact as well that Sparks Brothers comes from the Marx Brothers, which is kind of one of those ones you read. I go, oh, yeah, it totally makes sense. Why well, didn't I think about that? And I hadn't. They used to be, they were very polite in interviews, but the number of 
um, journalists that use the headline "Sparks will fly" or ah. vari- variations thereon. It's incredibly boring. <laughs> they have mm. the patience of saints. It was nearly <laughs> ev- for a while. It was nearly every interview. Sparks fly. No. no. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was after a performance on the whistle test. They got that got them the deal with Island Records as well. It's not a bad going off the back of one TV appearance. Yeah, and um, what's his name from Whistle Test? What was his remind me? What's his name? Bob Harris. Yeah, that's it. He couldn't stand him. Yeah, he didn't like a lot of the more art pop lot, did he? No, he did. Strange, not. strange that he's gone on to be a massive uh, folk enthusiast. Hmm. Shocking. <laughs> he was. Uh, if it didn't sort of. If the leather uh, wasn't creaking as they walked in, then yeah. he really wasn't interested, was he? Yeah, you could hear the joint of the guitar case as it creaked yeah. open and Jeff Buckley began to pluck. Yeah. If at least one member of your band put on one of those harmonica devices. Right. Tim Buckley, I meant, sorry. He was probably pretty keen. Mm. So it's around the time of come in my house, the, uh, the brothers decided to assemble an actual core band. Yes. With um, is it Martin Gordon on bass, Adrian Fisher on guitar, yeah, yeah. Norman Dinky Diamond on drums. They And they sacked uh, Martin almost immediately after this record, I think. Do you get a reason? Uh, they just didn't like him, really. Oh. They, I think the, the rest of the band were slightly keener on being in a band right. than... Uh, than the, neither of the brothers male at that point uh, indulged in any form of substances, either legal or otherwise. Little business, um, business, business. Well, it's busy being odd. Um, <laughs> Takes a lot of your day out. Mark Dinky in particular was fond of a drink, but I think Not Martin dinkers. was. Yeah, and they, 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 don't, they don't really like to share. And I, I get the sense that Martin had... Um, Ideas about his ideas about what they considered to be his station. Wow. No denying though that he's he is responsible for some of the sound on easily their most successful record. So mm. his his part can't be diminished. Oh no, absolutely not. And originally they wanted Roy Wood to produce it, which would have been a much more sax heavy affair, I think. Um, oh, most certainly. But wow, he was it would have been. He was unavailable, so they got Muff Winwood, brother of Steve. And uh, he was the A&R man at Iden Records at the time. Mm. So he was just around the corner. Office door was open. Muff! <laughs> Mr. They Windows, please. Bellowing Muff out of a window and Muff! he popped in. Muff! Roy can't get, can't get wood. Can we get Muff? Please for that. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Lovely joke, yeah. Yeah, yeah just popped in the head. Yes, it did. Two amusing plays on words, isn't it? Because they're, yeah. yeah, yeah, like genitals and that. Yeah, it's good. Oh, now you spoiled it for everyone. Oh, yeah, I've, I've spoiled it. Everyone's having a good time, enjoying the, the risque joke. Yeah, a bit of blue there, bit of blue. And you had to come in, bloody puritanical society, and just bring it right down to work for us. Yep, old Lord Whiteadder over here. Mm. The album's title is a line from the song on the album, Hasta Mañana Monsieur. And the pun on the title of the song, Come come Honour My House, made famous by Rosemary Clooney. 
Yes, I've I've always known that it's supposed to be a pun, uh, and I've never totally understood it. No, I'm told it's a pun. <laughs> Leave it at that. That's fine. Whatever. Whatever tickles you. Yeah, can't see it myself, but fair enough. Yeah, Redhead, Ron moved from a Wurlitzer electric piano to a RMI Electra piano, Model 300. For the most reason is that he enjoyed the haunting quality of it. Also, he didn't have to lug the fuck around from gig to gig because the Wurlitzer yeah. was basically the size of two pianos. Yeah, and it, it, those things never travel well either. If you're uh, falling apart a lot. Yeah, and the, uh, the famous album cover with the two... Uh, geisha ladies in her kind of quite funny poses um which incredibly a lot of people thought was the brothers in drag yeah which they're clearly they're clearly japanese women japanese women yeah that yeah like you mentioned the, the, the album concept came up was from ron and it was inspired by a japanese world war ii propaganda photo in uh, an edition of life magazine it was a team of uh, photographer carl stoic uh stoker sorry stylist nicholas deville and Ireland marketing director Tim Clark, which was also a team that did uh, Roxy's album covers. Mm. And the, uh, the models are Mishi Hirota and Kuniko Okamura, who are members of Japan's Red Buddha Theatre. And uh, I was kind of amazed by this. Uh, Michi Hirota, sorry, Hirota um, is married to the composer Joji Hirota, who I've been listening to for years and had no idea that was a thing. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. What I think is quite an interesting fact is their first two albums, so Half Nelson and Woofer in Tweeter's Clothing, I think I'm right in saying, are the last time that anybody other than just some random models or the two brothers are allowed anywhere near the cover. Mm. They were, from Kimono onwards, they were absolutely resolute in oh, yeah. presenting this Sparks is Us and then mm. some other dudes. Which yeah. is part of the friction, I think, with Martin and so on, because they would go, no, no, we're we're Sparks. We are the band Sparks. Mm. No, no, my lad, you forget yourself. <laughs> it's double R, Ron Russell. Mm. Yeah, and for any uh, just Bowie factoids out there, it's uh, Misha Hirota who uh, does the Japanese vocals in Bowie's It's No Game. Yeah. And the album reached number one in the UK charts. This yep. Oh, it's the single that only came to number two, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, which I think everyone will agree is their most famous song. Only got to number two. Do you know what it's held off the top spot by? I did know, and because uh, I read it this very week. And it's another corker of a song, to be fair. Oh, man alive. Yes, I do. It's Sugar Baby Love by The Rivers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I would try and do the high-pitched bit, but I've got a cold. I mean, it really was a week of the Battle of the Falsettos. I would argue that of the two, I do prefer this town. But Mm. Sugar Baby Love by the Rivettes is an unadulterated smash as well. Yeah, it is. In the US, the album got to number 101. What do those guys want? (laughs) Morrissey, Bjork, Steve Jones' Sex Pistols and John Frusciante have all cited the album as a key influence in their musical taste. Yes, although Morrissey, being the cantankerous sod that he is, uh, says that Indiscreet, I think, I think I'm right in saying he believes that Indiscreet is their best, their best one, even Mm. though that is 
is it is muddy. It's very muddy. Yep, and the album frequently appears in Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Right, and so reach Rolling Stones 476 out of 500 greatest albums. It's a it's a peach, isn't it? Though it's it a is. it's a short blast of just ecstatically exciting fun. There's it is, a lot, it of, is just... a lot of ideas, and but it's a very. I think it, I personally think find it a very happy sounding album. I think the key word with the whole album is just fun. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, there's nothing here melancholy, or you know, maybe some lyrics if you read them a certain way. But just the sound of this thing is just joyous. Yeah, I like the fact as well that when you are reading the lyrics or listening to them, you're probably not getting anywhere close to what they actually think. No, he's he's a. I think he's a great songwriter because he yeah. will. He seems to be able to just. Well, I'll consider a topic. Yeah, I, I sit down and there you go. I think we've mentioned it on a few episodes past, but I just really admire songwriters who sit and go, right, I'm not going to talk about how shit life is or another love song. Yeah, I'm not going to bitch on about my own relationship. I'm, yeah, I'm going to uh, talk about a guy who doesn't want to spend Christmas, or doesn't want it to be Christmas because it means he has to go home, whereas what he wants to be doing is like chasing women in bars. Yeah, or do a song about... Oh, and there's a book on Albert Einstein. Like, that's a topic... Um, a complaints department? Yeah, I could do a song about complaints department. Okay, right, we've got some topics here to do some songs around them. Yeah, it almost or, feels like that. They just wrote down some topics. Let's try and write some songs around these general ideas. He's a he's a singular talent, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, I think it was a four we mentioned that on. Just kind of like sometimes yes, it's just right. ri- ri- writing a song about oh, I'm in LA. Write a song about being in LA. I suppose yeah, that'll do. But I would say probably coming at it from quite different worldviews. Oh my yes, yes. That's a <laughs> I, that's a mashup. I think you'd say that Ron is an altogether more optimistic human being. Hmm. So this town ain't big enough for the both of us. Yes. Isn't that if you don't like this song? I don't I can I think I can sort of get behind why you might find it grating. But if you genuinely think that this is a like a a bad record, I, I just don't I don't really get you as a person. It's it's just it's a perfect pop song. It, it is. It's close to as perfect as you can get. Also, is that one of the greatest fade-ins on any pop song or album ever? Well, Just, I think it's both one of the greatest fade-ins into a song and it's also one of the greatest opening tracks of a record. Yeah. This is a song that even makes, like, a gun sound effect at the middle of it work somehow. That, 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 yeah, that, quite, that quite is not cheesy. shit somehow. Yeah, yeah but that's not rubbish. <laughs> it's an old BBC uh, sound effects one. Phew. Yeah, so the original idea for the song was to fill it full of lyrics with old Hollywood cliches. But that idea was dropped early on, so that's where sort of, this town ain't big enough for the both of us kind of stemmed from. The original working title was Too Hot to Handle. I mean, if he's never used it, I'd be astonished. That's, it's a very Sparks title mm. in and of itself. Yeah. Well, like I say, I, I do love the way the, the fade in, just the, the, the keyboards. Like, do, 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 do. It's like fairgrounds sort of organ. 
Well, they use that is. that fairground noise. I think is one of the motifs of the record. That certainly it is, yeah. The vibe on track two as well, which obviously we'll come to. But that slow, swirling introduction, and then you've got this breathless falsetto. Zoo time. Is she in new time? I mean, would you say that um, the refrain "heartbeat increasing heartbeat" is mm. one of the best in pop? Heartbeat increasing heartbeat. Yeah, especially with that. I think something else they do a few times throughout this album. They do it on this song as well. Is actually just the marrying of the melody and Russell's vocals. Yeah, yeah. They are just in complete synchronicity with each other. So you're really just hammering home the the. Just the sound of the song. Do you think that's because, like, does do you think Ron wishes that he was the singer as well? I mean, I don't but think he does almost, anymore. Because it's almost like right, Ron, the piano part is also the vocal line a lot of the time. It's like heartbeat, increasing heartbeat, and the, the keyboard do the same thing. So it is almost like they're just they're duetting that's the whole his, way through the album. It feels like that's his compositional like strategy, doesn't it? Mm. You hear the thunder of stampeding rivals. <laughs> But it, you know, it really it does help hammer home the, the, the you know the lyrics when you're trying to think back on them. Even if you can't necessarily understand the lyrics, you remember the melody. <laughs> yeah, because definitely for a long time I didn't know what a lot of the lyrics were in this particular song. I think as well, it's um, it's a lovely sort of shot window for the the wit of the lyricism as well. Mm. The um, because you sometimes I think with Sparks it can be quite difficult to actually tell what he's saying. Yeah, which is a criticism he does get sometimes is like that falsetto is so high, can't make heads or tails of you, man. Yeah, remarkable thing is that um he's seemingly his falsetto isn't it hasn't been withered by age. No, in, not really. In quite the way that you might have thought. But um as twenty cannibals have hold of you, they need their protein just like you do is particularly great yeah well i always like you are a khaki cumbered covered colored bombardier it's hiroshima that you're nearing they were, i can see why morrissey would like them because it's the same thing about that you know the the really great smith's records have got which is that the lyrics are funny without it being a comedy song yeah that, that is yeah it's hard to describe what they are because the lyrics then, aren't whimsical they're not you know, you, you're not, not listening to um they're not zapper the style attempts at comedy no i was thinking of um, the bonzos it, yeah like, they're 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 funny songs they're comedy songs these mm. these are pop songs witty that have some witty lyrics yeah yeah they, they're just you can tell the people who've written these are well-read people oh uh, yeah Shower another shower. You've got to look your best for her and be clean everywhere. <laughs> Great. And I, I think a, an underrated funny lyric is census, the latest census. There'll be more girls who live in town, though, and not enough to go round. Because <laughs> yes. apparently that's that's the plot of the song is just two guys arguing over a woman in a small town. Mm. It's a good theme. I it's difficult to do justice to a song that I think, honestly, is 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 basically flawless. Daily, except for Sundays. <laughs> do you get tired when you were doing the, when you were re-listening to this? Did you? No, get, I don't get tired. I don't. And I've heard. 
I've heard this song a lot through my life. Heard it outside times. outside the context of the album. Just hear, you know, because it's obviously used on a lot of adverts and just documentaries and stuff. Well, Anytime there's they have never ever earned their due, so you can't begrudge them it. It's no, not no, I don't. Selling their song, their back cast. No. But um, yeah, and I completely it was one of those facts that I knew it, but I completely forgot about the Faith No More version of this song. Oh yeah, yeah. Which and, I, um, <laughs> Just hearing my version as well. Yes, I remember well when that came out. It sounded just remarkably similar. Yes, yeah, a sort of pointless cover. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well done. You did that fine. Um, okay. I think the the thing that this album has got that the rest of their sort of output, except maybe propaganda and um, indiscreet, is there's there's a lot of guitar. There is. You would not necessarily, and there's there's actually there's proper solos on this album as well. There is, yeah. That's certainly something that they would be avoiding. What they most. really miss yeah. is later on they really miss guitars and bass because mm. this album has a real hip swinging grind to it, which is not on their other stuff I've heard. Certainly. No, because they certain they become. Um, although there is a compar- it's a comparison that they always hated. Um, they become the Pet Shop Boys. Hmm. Because yeah. they always hated it because they felt that the pet, the pet shop boys had ripped them off essentially yeah. without it uh, to a certain extent. I mean, but whereas um, pet shop boys always sounded overly treated, I think Sparks, as they go on through the years, they start to try and sound more organically orchestral in places. Mm. So I mean, as again, as we go off, Lil Beethoven, which is literally just mostly string and. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, they went back onto um it wasn't Island anymore, it was a different label, but it's Chris Blackwell again, the Island guy. Oh yeah. Tried to put out Little Beethoven. And then after the fact said, Look, we really like the album and we tried desperately hard to make it sell, but we failed. So I shall commit Seppuku here. I think, and he did say conference. I think Partially, that's down to the fact that the record buying landscape has completely changed, and um, we weren't island. And at least in 1974, people might buy a record on the strength of it being an island record, and that is no longer the case. Yes, it's kind of sad those days where, yeah, you, was, get, you get some smaller, real like indie labels these days. Yeah, I suppose. But it, the internet really, without wanting to sound like a billion years old, the internet's really put pay to that. If you didn't have the money or the resources to hear most things, because there's only a handful of radio stations, mm. if you and you have X amount of money, if you walked in and saw like the chrysalis imprint, you might go, well, I like everything else they've done. Mm. And you're, you're just never going to do that now. Now you're just showing it a laptop saying, Mary, Mary, what's Mary, what cassette people is this from? Is this our price or Britannia Clubhouse? <laughs> anyway, I think I'm going to have to move that we um, impose the waitresses protocol when we name our favourite tracks because I don't think in any album that contains This Town Ain't Big Enough, it's just not a fair fight. This song made the album, and it is it yeah. remains their biggest selling thing. It, 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 it completely changes the, the parameters of the discussion, its very existence. Yeah. yeah I, can, I can go with that. Really? You normally, you normally argue with me. No, no, that's fine. 
I'm just feeling in a more benevolent mood today. Is it because you've just been thinking about this town? I'm just thinking about those drums. Do 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 do. Yeah, Dinky's playing up a storm, isn't he? Dinky do good. It's really good, isn't it? That. Oh yeah, I just I just I just love the whole calamitous nature of this entire song. And the 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 the, the scream of leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's one of your time greats. Of course, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to give it the waitress protocol on this one. So are you ready to move on? We talk about Amateur hour goes on and on and where you get on, you know. Well, I think it, the fact that it opens with quite an ace guitar riff. Pretty pretty glam. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you like glam rock, um, you probably like Amateur Hour. But I really, I love the, so you've got that swirling, excellent guitar riff. And then there's the doom, doom, doom noise. And at that point, in my head, it's always like, um, you know, a band leader or, mm. you know, the ringmaster of a, it's like a circus big top feel. And then the guy is marching and just punching the air with every single one of those notes, which actually I've seen Russell Mail do just without <laughs> holding whatever you call that little baton. You call it a baton. A baton. <laughs> the baton. Do, do you know what that rhythm reminds me of? Is the laughing gnome. Oh, but much better. I was walking. Yeah, you, you're sort of spoiling it a bit. <laughs> good, good. Because, and I was walking down the high street. <laughs> is 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 nowhere near as good as Amateur Hour, which is a great. No, song. this is true. Yep. But yeah, how second. many fans will have an opening line that is the lawns grow plush in the hinterland? The lawns grow plush in plush. the hinterland. Oh, the, the plush. The plushness of the lawns in most pop songs goes unremarked upon. It, it does. It simply does. I often wonder about them. And I think the she can show you what you must do to be more like people better than you. Better than you. Amateur row goes on and on and ready. Oh, no. She is tells it, you so. Is it about being shit at sex? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's very, it's been my reading of it. Yeah, it's about a, a young wisp of a lad. Just who, making uh, his way in the world. Making his way in the world. A young, ripe peach of a boy. And, um, yeah, coming up against formidable women who basically try to tell him he you know he used to grow up or finding women who basically will show him how to become a man oh yeah i mean i've never learned i've never read the line i could start a song in tenor and then end as bass yeah there you go and one of my all-time favorite lyrics is it's a lot like playing the violin you cannot start off and be yehudi menu in <laughs> which is a, just a thrill it's it's such an exciting and gleeful like the 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 puerility of the song is is somehow reveled in. Mm. They're not ashamed of it or anything. It's it's funny, but again it's, it's not just, comedy. It's just a raucous song. It's just Yeah, I love I love the ooh bridge. Ooh, 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 ooh. A, a lot happens in it as well. A bit like this town. 
there's a, a lot they managed to cram a lot into three minutes musically yeah i, I like the, the way the, the guitar and the piano as well just have that again they're kind of playing together and descending that doom 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 and the whole thing just has again that wurlitzer effect and it just feels like it's going round and round and slowly descending into more bawdiness and that's um i mean i I don't, I don't want to skip ahead too quickly for you, but that's the same thing trick they use in falling in love with myself again is that mm. swirling, falling, looping thing, particularly Vortex towards the end when it's going, Yes, I'm falling. It's just a big loops, isn't it? Well, falling in love with myself again as well, I think, has. I'm going to mention them again, but Walker Brothers' level of bombast, the way the song just kicks into life, that massive drum. That does sound like that could be late 60s Walker Brothers. Falling in Love With Myself Again has got, I think, more scale than any of the two songs that come before it. It, it sounds enormous. It, oh, yeah, that's no, a big sounding song. Just, you know, Ron's kind of really sinister at times sounding keys on this. Like this is almost like you're going into more of the, the the weird spook houses in the carnival now with this one musically. There's some yeah, I find there's a kind of a, a creepy nature to the song. Well, cer- certainly his side of things. Yeah, there is definitely a thing. And lyrically, I think it's probably the most simple song because it's almost just um, it's almost just a repeating of the, the chorus. Is the main thing for it. Yeah. It it well, I mean it. It just say it is just a love song for himself. Yeah, or basically, he, he's worried about his own arrogance. Weird or thing about he, your brother singing it. It's like when in Ava <laughs> or Fleetwood Mac, where they were just writing songs that they knew their ex-wives were going to have to sing. It just seems yes. odd. Stare at me in the face while you sing, you bastard! I want you to look at me! Look at me! <laughs> yeah, similar mother, similar father, similar dog, cat and fish, and we'll make the same wish when the birthday candle's lit. We'll both be older, we won't get our wish. Yes, I think I'm falling in love with myself again. So is he, is he, is he literally falling in love with himself, or is he with a woman who kind of looks like him? Because at the end, it says, with her hand in my hand and my hand in hers, don't we look a blur? Oh, interesting. So do you think he's with a woman that both looks like and... I see, because I took it as, you know, a, a song about, well, narcissism, as opposed mm. to... I did it first, yeah. I suppose it could be, you know, uh, Mick Jagger married a woman. Wasn't Bianca uncannily similar to him? Hmm. It does happen as well. You do see couples sometimes. It's like, it's quite creepy how similar you two look. I don't know. I always think it's weird. I know a guy that is with a woman, he's married to a woman, that I find so uncannily similar to his own mother. Mm. I find that very peculiar. Mm. Yeah, I, I know a few couples who do look kind of similar, almost to a, a, a Millhouse effect. So. That's just a bit weird. The Millhouse effect. Yeah. 
Everything is you know, coming up, K- Millhouse. You know, there are a couple of Kirks and Luans. Yeah, I think falling in love with myself again is um, epic in scale, which I think is almost that in and of itself is funny because it's a song <laughs> that is is just about it how to be about it could easily himself. be just about how ace he thinks that he is. Yeah, because even if he is with another partner, he loves the fact that they're very yeah, yeah, similar they're, to they're him. Like him. Yeah, yeah. So what? Either way you cut it, is it being literally about himself or someone who and looks then like they him? Married still, that, this yeah. enormous cathedral of sound. Yeah, it, it literally is almost the sound of a cathedral that he is marrying himself or getting married to the person who looks like him. Particularly, is it's got the, the big crescendo as it builds towards the end, and Russell is just screaming, "Yes, I'm falling." <laughs> yeah, I like by that point it's like full umpapa Bavarian number. Yeah, there's a lot of stops and starts in it as well. It's quite a, a mischievous musically song as well. Yeah, it doesn't swing. No, it's very start, stop, grand highs, and then just naughty little riffs here and there. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like in, I'm not saying it is, but in like Walt's time or something, because... Could well be. You know that... Dun, 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 I mean, I'm miming for yeah. the good of the listener, but hey, you know what I mean. I'm with you, Bobby. Here in heaven? I think one of the things that is perhaps underrated about them on this album and indeed in general is just how good they are at a chorus. Hmm. All of the songs have got memorable choruses on this record. Most of them, do you? Yeah, what I really like about Here in Heaven is it just comes right out the gate straight away. There are lots of things to do. And a It's Gilbert and Sullivan, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. The universe completely surrounding you and here. You cannot buy souvenirs, but you're never going back. Never, never. I can totally hear that now, yes. But to the tune of Billion Dollar Babies era Alice Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> That's and a good you, picks. I mean, if if you are listening to this and you've never heard it, that there is what this song sounds like. Gilbert <laughs> and Sullivan performing the Billion Dollar Babies era Alice Cooper. Here which there is, are many, many sheep and the people only sleep. <laughs> which instantly Billion Dollar Babies is absolutely coming up on the party at some point. Yeah, it's a belter as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. 73, is it? Yes, I think so. Mm, nearly. It nearly made the year. Nearly made that sweet year. That sweet, sweet year. Yeah, I also think there's a... Apart from the Alice Cooper, there's a few Dave Davies uh, flourishes on the guitar. There's a few just kind of... Wham, like, meow, meow. Well, they were they really like the kinks, so... Mm. you. You've got to imagine that that's that's almost by design. Yeah, I could I could definitely hear some late sixties Dave in here. Just like, I mean, and like I say, little flourishes on the end of some. I know Ray Davies is not exactly good about throwing praise around, particularly not about people <laughs> that have had big hits. He really will only champion underdogs. I don't know if he thinks that it. <laughs> like he won't even admit to the fact that the Beatles were good. No, no, to this day, probably. <laughs> no. What an ornery cuss. <laughs> but you can imagine that he 
you know, if he forgot himself for one moment, would admire the lyricism of Ron Mayle. Oh, yeah. A lot of Ray's stuff in his prime was kind of not quite this arch, but... Oh, I don't know. There's... I wouldn't say it's giddy, maybe. No, no, no. The... I've, I've Actually, no... Yeah, probably, probably his arch, yeah. But you're right, though. Giddiness and delirious sort of swirling excitement. Um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say Gilbert and Sullivan about any of Kink's stuff. Afternoon tea. Is that what you had? Second thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I was reading the lyrics this time. It mentions Juliet a number of times. Juliet, you broke our little pack. Juliet, I'm never coming back. So is this a song about basically it's Romeo and Juliet and it's Juliet decides not to kill herself at the end? Yes, I think so. And it's literally Romeo up in heaven going, yeah, yeah. you motherfucker. <laughs> Second thoughts, is that what you had? Second thoughts, first I broke my back. Second thoughts, as I hit the sea. Second thoughts, for eternity, for eternity, for eternity. <laughs> yeah, I think I believe that's exactly what it is. Do I qualify as dearly departed or am I that sucker in the sky? Yeah. Yeah, up here in heaven I, without you. I'm here in heaven without you. Up here in heaven without you. It's hell knowing that your health will keep you out of here for many <laughs> years. That's great. I'd never realised until reading the lyrics this time around that's what the song was about. And it's, I, it's I, like what you I said, thought one applauded. It? Yeah, like, so he's going, oh, okay, I need to write a song. Uh, so I'm going to do a whole what if. <laughs> what, what if Juliet nah. saw sense and went, actually, this guy's quite intense. <laughs> yeah. Bit much for me. And I have, I am, in fairness to my dad, I am only 13. So. Papa has a point. Maybe I'll give Paris a try. After all, he's Mm. played by Paul Rudd. And he won't age for many years. Thank God. Thank God it's not Christmas. Which I I used to take exception to the song title. Well, of course you did. You're Captain Christmas. Yeah. Why the hell do you not thank God it's Christmas? Because you are a guy who's just it's desperate a... to hang out in bars and cheat on his wife. Yep, it's a narrative of a socialite who likes to be out on the town. And Christmas is the time of year if he has to go home and spend time with the family. I mean, considering that's just, that's the MO of the song, the chorus is very grand sounding again. It brings back the um, the epicness of uh, falling in love with myself again musically. I just read in the lyrics. Jesus, he's good. <laughs> it also made me think. Um, I'm absolutely going to start using the word boulevard in my day to day. Boulevard. Yeah, rather than street or road. I think I'm going to start using boulevard. I, that always makes me think of Sisters of Mercy, uh, Detonation Boulevard. Boulevard. Because that's the way that word should be said. I, yeah, I like the um, the opening line is, what do I hear? What do I hear? So it's a bit of a throwback to old things. Do you hear what I hear? What do but this I time, hear? What t- he's hearing chit-chats and clinking glass. Clinking glass. Cheap top. A lady's laugh after hours. Da 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 da. Yeah, it's 
Again, we've got that, that wonderful juxtaposition between huge music and just the really small life of this sleaze bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a small little narrative song, but it's very big sounding. Drums are really going for on this one. The guitar is that ascending riff is just like really going for it. <laughs> the lyric, thank God it's not Christmas where there's just you to do. <laughs> the rest is closed to public view. Call for the day, the popular day, it's fast approaching now, but will the mood allow one descent? Is that basically it? Can I just have one last pop out before the big day? Yeah. It, look, if I'm going to be trapped in a house with you and the kids... Can I just have one last night of the town? If this were the same, we'd be very suave, but it's just the rain washing down the boulevard. I quite like the fact that he doesn't... There's no comeuppance or anything. There's no, no, actual, no there's no actual plot. It's just one man, one awful just, man's lament. Just go, come on! Can I go out? <laughs> Thank God right now it's not Christmas so I can still do this. I mean, it could be like any time of the year he's just thinking, thank God it's not Christmas. It's like, well, you know, stop being such a negative Nancy and just get on with it. And yeah, there's no like, oh, maybe I should stop this life of debauchery because it'll be my comeuppance, maybe the end of my marriage, maybe my kids will go. Like, no, just can't. I'm just so glad it's not bloody Christmas so I can be out and about right now. I like the, the, the dehumanising sort of misogyny of there I'll spend the night meeting fancy things at bistros and old haunts trying very hard to sin then it's day and in a way the patterns are much the same in spots a matinee every day it's almost like they're um they're thinking of writing it from the viewpoint of like a Terry Thomas style cad and thinking what would someone like that do at Christmas they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to do themselves. Yeah, it's people like, like that don't make sense in the domestic ideal. What, what are they doing if they're not stood in a bar clutching a cigarette or a, a little uh, a, a whiskey, talking yeah, to some delightful creature at the bar? I think it's Peter O'Toole rather than Terry mm. Thomas. Um, and, of course, he uses the phrase ebb and flow, which I've never been able to listen to since discovering how Bowie spent his wedding. Watching the ebb and flow. Just watching the ebb and flow. Would you weird, mate, Brian? Would you not like to talk to your new bride? Maybe some of your other guests. <laughs> Darling, Eno is here. Yeah, no, I'm a big, big fan of Thank God It's Not Christmas. Once I understood what its actual intention was and wasn't to malign my when you realized that, yeah, yeah, you realized it wasn't, in fact, criticizing the hallowed time. The hallowed time. No, no, you can stay. Happy that. Hasta mañana, monsieur. We're the only words that are new, monsieur. Could almost be an ABC song. Yes, it could. So is this one the story of a man who's in some sort of... Well, he's in a European town, obviously. Hasta mañana. Um... He's trying to talk up a young lady and there's basically they can't really communicate and he's misunderstanding what she's saying to him. Yeah, anybody that can write the lyric, uh, leaving my syntax back at school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thrown for a last over gender and simple rules. <laughs> you mentioned Kant and I was shocked. 
Sylvie, Sylamore, say no more, say no more. I love life, I love death, isn't that? Or no, what's what is Sylvie? Uh, but Morse is death anyway. Yeah. I think very much proving the point of the song. It, in it's that for I can life, it's for death. Handful of school, high school French. Yeah, it, Monsieur. It, yeah, c'est la vie is it's for life. It is definitely a man attempting to try his suit with a young lady. Yes, but without language. You tried to tell me in your day that your leading exports were textiles and iron ore. He's funny. Hasta mañana, monsieur, means until tomorrow, sir. But he clearly, the narrator clearly thinks it means something else. Yes. I love the idea that he's saying monsieur to a young woman as well. Yes. Isn't hasta mañana Spanish and monsieur French? Yes. Yes, two little words that I knew you'd adore. <laughs> yeah, so he's saying to this woman, Hasta mañana, monsieur, to try and woo her. But he's basically saying, until tomorrow, sir. Yeah. And, and he's thinking he's being coquettish. And, <laughs> and the line that you just mentioned, you mentioned Kant and I was shocked. You know where I come from, none of the girls have such foul tongues. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny song. It's a very funny song. It's a funny song as well that happens to have an incredibly infectious chorus and it absolutely yeah. slaps as well. And also what's funny is the guy delivering the lines doesn't know he's being funny. No, you no. Know, that... again, if, if you mention again the Frank Zappa comedy, like, whoop, and, well, oh, I'm doing silly hot. voices. Oh, it's like, if, you, if you're trying to be funny in song, it doesn't work. But when this well, guy... No, no, is... you're trying to be funny in song, it can be grating and it can, it can absolutely work. Like again, I think the Bonzos are great, but this is this is several orders of magnitude wittier than Frank Zappa has ever managed, isn't it? Yes. This is not titties and beer. This is this is Del Boy trying to speak French, and that's the joke because he has no idea what he's saying is not French. Yes. Or just saying Vorsprung du technique. I'm sure that this motion don't need no accompanying words. I guess I was wrong because you fled, leaving me with my Michelin guide and half-empty foreign bed. <laughs> so it doesn't even work. <laughs> he's, just, he's just an absolute ass. And is, is that a Moog or Mellotron I hear in the background on this one? And it sounds as crisp today as it did when it was... Ring written. the bell! <laughs> Do I don't, you hear what I hear? I don't know either of... Well, two of my favourite words, Moog and Mellotron. <laughs> I don't know if it, either of those things make an appearance, but I do know that Hasta Mañana, Monsieur, is one of the funniest songs that it exists. It is a good song. It's, and, but also, musically, it totally holds up. Oh, yeah, it's a song I've always enjoyed, but this time around, actually reading the lyrics and what oh, it's about... Oh, completely the same. It's completely completely grown on me now. Like, that, I, that's a great song. I've never song. really been able to tell what he was singing a lot of the time. I got, like, the odd word, like, syntax. Mm. Back at school. Dun, 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 dun. Sounds a bit like Abba, that uh, piano, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's... Um, I think that's intentional, because wasn't there an Abba song called Hasta Mañana? Oh, I don't know. Do, 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 do. So it could be accidentally on purpose. Do, 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 do. God, it's, God, it's good. It's a good one. 
Now, I have to say, Talent is an Asset is probably the first song on the album where I have to be reminded of how it goes. You're kidding. No. No, no, I would say that Talent is an Asset is is one of the ones that uh, lives rent-free in my head. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I was, I would, right now, I couldn't tell you how in your family or complaints Stuff. No, and that was going to be my next point. This starts a free song run for me where I'm like, don't really remember them off the top of my head. Oh, I don't think talent is an asset falls into that category either. It's it the one that goes, well, it's got like the claps. Yeah. Over to smart is a genius. This is the one which is literally a song about Albert Einstein. Yeah, but it's the... His tag-along family members. Yes. Coming up from that angle. I think it's... I, I, I think it's one of the one of the strongest on the record, to be yeah. to be fair. I've never been a great fan of the kind of... the, the, um, the outro part of it, which is just a repeater refrain. Go away! Go away! Which does seem to go on for a while. Go away, talent is relative. Go away, that's No, no, again, I really like that. I like the fact that it starts small and then just goes up and up. So we are his relative. Continent, hemisphere, planet, universe. <laughs> no one must see him now. Only the medical. Oh, yeah. Don't buy him any jeans. They're much too casual. <laughs> <laughs> that's something I noticed. With the hand claps and everything, it did remind me a little bit of mud tiger feet. Yeah. Although Mud wished that they ever had a song as witty as this. True, true. We are his relatives. That's parenthetical. That's parenthetical. One day he'll sever his apron strings. All of the while he'll be scribbling things. Genius things. Yeah, I think Talent is an Asset is is one of my favourites. I know, I like it. Just you know, I kind oh, well, of... in fairness, I don't I don't really think there's a duffer on the record. No, I, I don't think there's an out and out bad song on it. I think there's certain songs that I don't really remember as it goes on, but there's certainly no songs when I've listened to this song around gone, Yeah, that one sticks out as the bad one. There's no bad songs on this album. No, there isn't at all. We are his relatives and he don't need any non-relatives. Yeah, so I I like the fact it's a song that Albert Einstein comes from the the point of view of the... His his less talented family. Less talented family who are desperate to cling on to his coattails. And it's kind of... Desperately trying to up-play their contribution to his work. Yeah, and isn't the, the go away part of the lyrics supposed to be his mum telling him to get out and go away to get away from the rest of the horrible family oh do you think i always thought it was just the family saying um we kept everybody away but you're probably right see i always think the next two are the uh well yeah that's where there is a, a slight slide yeah these are the two i think are fine Yeah. So you got 
First one is complaints, which is about a man who works in the complaints department who sort of then, well, he goes home and just complains to his partner about working in the complaints department and then they want to go away on holiday, but all he's going to do is complain, so they don't bother. Yeah, it feels flimsy, doesn't it, compared to some of the others? It feels almost like a, a sitcom episode. I mean, I do like the way it ends. I like the complaints, my department, complaints, my yeah. department. It's got a nice uh, guitar solo in it, I think. Yeah, there's definitely a nice guitar solo. Which, you know, enjoy those because they're not going to use too many of them in the future. Nothing in the world is perfect, grin and bear it silently or yell into my ear. Complaints is my department. Everything you wear is too tight and clashes with the candlelight. Just give it back, no questions asked. Yeah, I mean, it is good. Yeah, I like it, the complaints. It sounds nice. Hmm. But it, it does, it, I do struggle to place it until the chorus kicks in. Yeah, it feels... A little bit like an episode of, um, uh, oh my god, what's it called? Are you being served? Yes, Grace Brothers. Yes, it has that vibe about it a little bit. Nothing in the world is perfect. Grin and bear it silently or yell into my ear. Complaints, stereophonic. Complaints, it's ironic. How they chatter, how they bore us, like some avant-gardish chorus. And then we limp on to In My Family. And again, I do like that. I like that. That's yeah. how it's gonna be, be in my family. family. I do like uh, Jay Paul Getty as a splendid fellow. Yes, I like that mention of Jay Paul Getty. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a bizarre little song about just being in a family. They could use yeah. it in the Fast and Furious films. Is it really? No, it should be, though. Oh, good. I mean, I haven't... I don't think I've seen any of them. Good. Isn't there nine of them now? Yes. Extraordinary. Yep, yeah, I forgot to mention Hasta Mañana, Monsieur, but it definitely has the old this is side B because Hasta Mañana, Monsieur, starts with a fade-in. Ah, uh, our old friend. I Yes, and I mentioned it on this because I got my note on in my family that this is definitely a side A album for me. Oh yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I don't really. I know we're literally just kind of m- mentioning it and moving on, but I don't have a lot for in my family because like I say I think. Well, it seems quite again quite throwaway. In a yeah, and, and lyrically, when you look at it, there's actually not a lot there. It doesn't have the same. No, it is just a man talking about being part of a family. In my family, uh, yeah, it doesn't have the same level of whimsy or. No, yeah, apart from the yeah. references of people being splendid fellas, that's about mm. it, really. What do you think about the album Closer then? Equator. Uh, I love Equator. It's potentially my. Isn't it? per- my personal favourite on the album I think other than this town eh. oh really come on I really like Equator 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 I think with the whole 
It's got sax. It's jazz, isn't it? It's certainly... It's no, a song this, by people that have listened to jazz. This is more jazz done at a strip club. This it's is sleazy strip, jazz. This is striptease jazz. And I really like, the, I think I've used it before, but again, Ron's keyboard on this just has like a real menacing quality to me. It just you really grinds. Me be there. <laughs> yeah, I just love this whole song just grinds. It's got a real drunken tempo to it. And the, and yeah, the piano does. on it is real, like, barroom piano. Yes, it does. You can imagine that Russell's, the top of Russell's slip has come off the uh, his shoulder. And he's just, he's waving that at the hooting sort of clientele mm. while Ron hammers the piano. Oh yeah, yeah. They're in a, um, they're in like a gunfight tavern, aren't they? With, you know, yeah. salute doors. I mean, at times Russell is literally just going. Yeah. I like the idea as well, but this starts off as a song about a man who's essentially been stood up saying, Equator, you said you'd meet me here. And then eventually the song goes on, you realise he's actually gone to a desert at the equator to meet her because everything he's brought with him has melted. And then as the song goes on, he slowly starts to realise she's not turning up, is she? And by that point, I think he's dying, which is <laughs> as the song kind of just... That's very sparse. Yeah. And the song slowly just fades away, each instrument at a time, as the song is kind of gasping out of life. Because it eventually just ends with that saxophone, just go... I love the fact that the guy, even though he's realised that, doesn't seem to, like, isn't prepared to lose face. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, she, she, should be, she's just around the bend. I wasn't fooled for a second. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, I just love the sound of it. I just really like the keyboard and it's like bam 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 Equator Equator You said you'd meet me there. I really like the do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do I do like it. I think it's a great song, it's, Equator. It is a it's a great song. It's not as much fun as some of the other songs. Because mm. it think... lacks, uh, it, well, it lacks some of the pep of some of the other songs because it, it is by necessity woozier and slower. It does, but because a man is dying. I, I do like the fact that the song also knows he's dying in a way that each of the instruments dies as the song kind of slowly fades out. And it's a, it's a, it's a really good last album track as well. Well. In the, in except, the original version, except for many years, it wasn't the the last track, was it? No, which kind of kind of spoils it a little bit. It does because yeah. it is it, it's in a perfect ending, so you feel like it was immediately launching into a barbecue tea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not, and we shan't be talking about it. It's quite an odd. Well, barbecue was apparently one of Morrissey's favourite ever songs of theirs. Oh well, buttons. Feels like a weird choice. 
yeah, big big fan of Equator. I think it it, it peps up what is a, a bit of a, a middling second half compared to the first. Yeah, but still taking place on a a pretty great pop record. Oh yeah, that has some absolutely flawless moments in it. Yeah, flawless moments. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a flawless album. No, I don't but... think Sparks have ever done a flawless album. No, but I think but... they are consistently interesting, consistently funny, and definitely worth everybody's time. Oh yeah, they, absolutely. They they well deserve a documentary about them. And one of the most interesting things about them is also the most frustrating. It, it is so hard to actually find anything out about them. Mm. And I, as a result of that, I am more fascinated to know about them than any other. That's why I, I, bought, I bought this book and I, there's bugger all in it. It is. <laughs> it is written about. Oh, it's just an album by album breakdown. And oh, some right. of them, and you know that, you know that um, the Bowie books we, mm. we both read where you feel like, Okay, so you didn't care for this one. Yeah. Um, the Beatles, Revolution in the Head by the Beatles, about the Beatles is very bad for that as well. Like, okay, you clearly think this song is... Yeah, brutal, it's... But I, think, I don't. <laughs> I think one of my worst ones for that is uh, Ring the Tom Waits Bell, the low side of a road book, where it's like, oh, my God. Oh, Barney Cl- or Closing time, a heart attack. Of, and then, yeah, then he went and did Bone Machine and Mule Variations and whatever. So, um... I, I thought they're pretty fantastic, those albums. Uh, could you talk more of them, please? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, well, I, Barney Hoskins, don't like them, so you won't either. Yeah, there's some of the Beatles ones. There's like, oh, and I want to hold your hand, and she loves you. And they're all written in diatonic meter, or, uh, you know, some potentially, I would absolutely no way of checking, made-up music bollocks about how, oh, and when we heard these, the world trembled, their might. And, uh, but Strawberry Fields Forever was fierce. Fine. No, All right, sh- gobshite, mate. I think Strawberry Fields Forever is incredible, <laughs> and the, so I think some of the early stuff is really good pop music. <laughs> it's not necessarily as jaw-dropping as you're trying to make it sound. I think maybe it was really important to you, possibly because of your age. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it, it, I think it suffers from that. Like, like as I say, he thinks that Little Beethoven is the artistic high watermark, hmm. other than Kimono My House. Um, yeah, I mean, I will finish it, but no disrespect here to Mister Easley, but um, it is not what I wanted. <laughs> I was hoping for an actual biography. Well, hopefully, the Sparks Brothers documentary will have a bit more of that info you so richly crave. I don't know how much more though, because they are, um, and they've they've absolutely been proven right on this. They've always said that Mystique is much more interesting. Well, I heard them interviewed the other day, uh, and they did mention that they were a little bit maybe concerned that they opened up a bit too much in this documentary. So there might be some actual autobiographical stuff in there. There might be a couple of tidbits, but I imagine opening up too much for like we don't really know whether or not either of them are married or like anything. It ultimately doesn't really affect the music, does it? So no, it doesn't. But because you you want to because the music is so interesting, you you are. It, I think it's perfectly normal and reasonable to be fascinated by. <laughs> we what, must know. Yeah, we the people demand to know. If you've got, if you've created this stuff, you are sort of. It it does become interesting into what sort of men. 
did this? Like, how do you think? What were you interested in? What were you listening to at the time? What you like to work with? All that stuff's interesting. And I don't necessarily like agreeing with Noel Gallagher on anything, but, you know, that he said, why on earth would we ever allow a camera into the recording studio? There should be some mystique. He's, I agree with him, but that's why they're interesting. It's, yeah, but it's also, a fun it's I dichotomy. But... I mean, I also don't want a, a camera in Noel Gallagher studio because no, uh, I, 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 I don't have a slightest interest in knowing how he does it. Because <laughs> I think uh, I've got no interest in all <laughs> so, the process. You could, you could bring one in, Noel. I wouldn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. so, have, have fun with it, mate. I yeah. imagine, Noel, that it's uh, an acoustic guitar and a rhyming dictionary. <laughs> There's more to it than that. Yeah, oh, sorry, probably... no, you've got your pile of kinks, B-sides, haven't you? Yeah, so you, know, you work, you work your way through that. You have fun, sunshine. Right, so I think it's fair to say we'll be keeping Kimono my house at the party. You're damn right we will. Oh, God damn right I will, yeah. Um, right, I won't say worst song on this because there is no bad song, but what song, if any, would you, could you sacrifice on this? Uh, it would be a toss-up between complaints or in my family. Yeah, I'd probably go in my family. I'd, um, I'd be hard pushed to pick, com- really. Complaints at least has a gnarly guitar solo at the end. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, no, fine. Uh, in which case, I'll just go with your point because yeah, I'd basically agree. Yeah. Right, okay, and if we're invoking the waitress pro- protocol, right, we're invoking the waitress protocol, so if you don't know, we came up with the idea on a Christmas record that because the waitress's Christmas wrapping was a song everyone knew off it, that was the main song everyone liked, so we kind of did a do-over and said, right, what other song apart from that can stay the, is the, the best song? we take it as read that everybody agrees that that Everyone song agrees that Christmas great. wrapping. So in this case, we all agree the best track probably is just telling big enough to both of us. So what is either the silver medal or on a par? I believe um, the B-side, Amateur Hour, probably. See, it would be a toss-up for me between Amateur Hour, Equator, but now... Coming out, coming up from the back is Hasta Mañana, Monsieur, because listening yeah. to it now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I really I enjoy it now. I enjoyed the shit out of falling in love with myself again as well. Yeah, it's such a big song. I bring home the bacon. My friends I, do concur. I might just have to go to Equator because for a long time that's kind of been my favourite personal track on the album and... As much as I love those other songs, but Equator's always felt like, yeah, I'm an Equator person. If we had to pick, I, I'd be lying if I said it was one of the others. It has to be Amateur Hour because it's so giddy and delirious. Amateur Hour probably a, a close third between, behind Equator. I think Talent is an asset might be my third. Hmm. Yeah, oh, it, it, it pleases me hugely. It was one, <laughs> of, the, it was one of the first ones that... Um, Stood out to me, other than obviously this town when I bought mm. the album. Yeah, I really like this record. I'm pleased we did it. Oh no, I'm a big fan. And I yes. would, I would encourage anybody to go and seek out their the some of their other albums. Although I'd like to offer one word of advice: do avoid introducing Sparks. Yeah, that's not great. That's one of the ones I have listened to. That's rubbish. 
Yeah, it's rubbish. I've listened to that one several times trying to find something in there, but there isn't. I think it's the one they did that followed on from Indiscreet. Right. And I think they were attempting to, like, you know, do a, a big reset mm. after the big band. Like, I mean, I don't mean big band like Frank Sinatra. I mean, we are a band. There's lots of guitar noises. I think they tried to get rid of all that and go and reintroduce the idea of Sparks. And I think they failed. Oh my! Oh my! So, yeah, so we shan't be doing introducing sparks at the party anytime soon. No, but uh, we might do hippopotamus. We might do propaganda. I've not listened to propaganda, so oh, that's good. It's got a really great cover as well, which it is a good cover. I do know that one. It's then tied up on a speedboat in the back of a speedboat. Yeah. And yeah. Russell is looking. I is it time to spin that damn fine wheel? I don't know. I almost don't want you to stop in the wheel, Michael. I almost, almost want us to just stop here because you've, like, more like you said, in my house. you've been making, well, we'll just keep playing Kimono in my house, but you've been making a lot of noises about how we need to move away from the 70s. It's, we've done three in a row now from the 70s. Yeah, and it's, it's been time great. to move on, <laughs> I feel. It's like, so, All three of them have been belters. So if we spin this wheel and if it should land on me... Oh, Yes. Let's He'll... just see. Let's just see what chance favours, shall oh, we? Yeah. Okay. Let's away. Mike. Oh, and chance favours the bold here, Adam. Okay. It's me. Now I genuinely have no idea what you're about to pick, but I would guess that it is something that will rock me to my very core. Um, yes. Should I explain, is it? Or... No. Something much... I think it's probably going to rub you up the wrong way. <laughs> right. Recently, at time of recording at the party, a certain artist has been in the news a lot about an album they should have released and then didn't, which is something of a recurring theme for them. Right. It's a hip-hop artist... Oh dear. <laughs> I, Adam, oh, next God. party would like to talk about 2010's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. Oh, good. Oh, oh, good. I'm really excited for you to listen to this because I give think. give it a bloody good go, Mike, but I, I, think str I struggle it, more with the hip hop ones. Some of it I think you'll dig, some of it I think you'll not be able to. I think you'll loathe some of it. What's it called? My dark? No, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Don't know, I got my adjectives in the wrong order. Do you know what? For years, I, I couldn't actually remember. Because uh, I'm aware of the last couple of hip hop albums I've picked, especially with Doom, I, I was met with criticism for not picking necessarily the biggest one. Um, but see, with Kanye, you got about five albums you could easily pick as his big ones. Mm. It, Kanye's big ones. But My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is both uh, financially a, a, a big one, but also critically, it's, it's potentially his most critically acclaimed album. Uh, I've never heard of any of the songs. You will know at the least, you'll know power just from being used in well, adverts. So I think you might enjoy some of it. And I look forward to speaking with you next time at the party. Yeah, well, as ever, I'll give it a bloody good go. And you'll, I think you'll even recognise some of the samples on it. Yeah. Because some that's... of them are very crushingly obvious. 
Yeah, that's my problem though. When they have like samples, like it was Kanye, wasn't it, that sampled King Crimson? Yes, and that's on this album. Oh, is it really? Okay, that's 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 power. That power is it, right? Um, The my problem with that is it throws me out the song and just reminds me how good King Crimson are. It's like, oh, what? Why don't you ever get past the da 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 da? Yeah, actually, the, the first time I heard his uh, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, which does use a lot of Diamonds Are Forever, it does just, the first time I heard it was like, this is literally just Shirley Bassey Diamonds Are Forever with a beat on it. Which it still does kind of sound like. It's probably one of his lazier tunes, that song. So, And we're aware we now have a couple of listener requests. Thank you very much for submitting those people. And we, oh, will, we? Become, we will be coming to those in future episodes so yes and if you have anything that you would like us to talk about at some point in the party you can get in touch with us on email we are the listening party pod at gmail.com we're on facebook at the listening party with adam and mike we're on twitter at party listen and we're on instagram at the listening party with adam and mike look for the skeleton head with the pink headphones goes by the name of Montesquieu. siskiu yes he does yes Yes, of course he does. Yes, yes he does. Yes, um, yes. And if you could like and subscribe us, if you're yeah, so inclined do. to, that would be great because it, we are we are trying to gain consequence round twenty twenty seven. If you're one point. of the people that have suggested an album, play your part. Pop on a little review. And then we'll almost certainly talk about the album that you and, then we'll t- and then we'll talk. Yeah? Yeah, we'll yeah, talk. yeah. Little quid pro quo. Yeah, yeah little goes a long way, my friend. Anyway, till next time, when things will get a bit more beautiful, then darker, then twisted, and then a bit more fantastical. Yeah, and uh, I'll be probably less interested. And he'll be getting angry about samples of songs he recognises. Yeah, I just, I just, hip-hop doesn't work for me. <laughs> Join us next time for ramblings. That is my shortcoming. I know that. Join us next time as Old Man Yells at Cloud. (laughs) 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 I was wearing an onion on my belt. That was the style of the time. (laughs) Ah, you may want to go, everyone. We'll be here a while. (laughs) Tarara bits. Yeah, bye, everyone.